0: So this week, what i want to try and do this week is it's a, it's a little bit of a kind of drawing all the strands together. I'm just going to try and do three main things through today's message. Um, uh, I want to try and help you understand freshly the picture of the church as the body of Christ. Um, and then look at how does that actually work in practice in terms of how we do church. Because you can have this really higher view of the church is the body of Christ... But if you, if you don't work that out in a way that's meaningful, what's the point? So I'll just try and unpack a little bit in terms of how we do church and uh, that hopefully reflects that. Uh, <clears throat> then I want to look at how the spiritual gifts operate outside of the church. So the, the, the idea, obviously, that all of these gifts that are given to us through the Holy Spirit um, are definitely for the building up of the church. The Bible is really clear on that. That it's for the strengthening of one another, that it's for the health, the nourishment, uh, the effectiveness of the church. But obviously, you know, Jesus said, I've come to seek and save that which has been lost. And if we are his body on the earth, then obviously our role is to hold out the, the, the word of Christ, isn't it? To, to, to a lost and dying world and say, hey, look, this is the good news. And so actually it's really important that those gifts are used outside of the church. So we'll just look at some examples in the Bible of that and talk about that briefly. And then finally, I just want to open up a a, a, a passage in the New Testament just to lift your expectations for what God wants to do. Um, So that's the aim. The the, the idea is to try and bring it all together. And then we're just trying to be very open to the Holy Spirit to to lead us. So so, um, there'll be numbers of different scriptures that come up. We're not going to be rooted in one passage today. We're just going to pray and ask for God's help. Father, thank you so much for the incredible gospel. We love the good news of Jesus Christ. We love these, these glad tidings of sins washed away, of new life, of reconciliation to you, of adoption, of being made part of your family, all as a free gift. We are bowled over by your generosity to us, Father. And uh, I want to pray that faith would rise today. I want to pray for that. I want to ask you, please, Holy Spirit, that you would bring gifts of faith. And as we really get into the Scriptures, that that would come with uh, your power. And it, w- and it would really get through. I pray for that. I pray, Holy Spirit, let the Scriptures get right through um, to the inner man. Right through to the depths. Pray, Lord, so that there is um, renewal of the mind, so that there is transformation, Lord, so that there is redirection, um, so that truth that brings life and freedom prevails in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so we've been looking at this idea that the church is the body of Christ and and a lot of the time in the Bible when 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 it's talking about the gifts, Romans 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Corinthians 12... Um, Paul in those three different settings even though the angle he's coming from and the purpose is quite different actually every time he brings in this image of the body Uh, the idea being that uh, Christ is the head and we are the body that the connection between Jesus and his church is that intimate Uh, it speaks of so many profound things that actually what are we without him a lifeless body that we are utterly dependent on Him in every way, but also that He has chosen. In I know I, I've got to watch my language because you can say things that are a bit too extreme. But in some mysterious way, He has chosen to uh, to limit Himself to working through the church. It's not that He doesn't just do sovereign things; He does. But in the main, His, his main uh, in, in in the economy of God, the main plan is that He He expresses the uh, the likeness of Jesus through the church which is an incredible thing but what it means is, is that we've got to be really really on it when it comes to uh, the fruit of the spirit because that's the character of Jesus and the gifts of the spirit because that's the amazing abilities of Jesus both are to, be, are to be expressed through the church so we've got to engage with both we can't shy away from one or the other just go after the gifts and you know not worry about character or just go no we're just going to go for the character and get all suspicious about the gifts no 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 it's God's plan to express the, the, the fullness of Jesus through the church I mean, Ephesians 1 calls the church the fullness of Him who fills all in all. Say that again, it's one of those Paul's sentences, you think, hold on a minute. The church is the fullness of Him who fills all in all. So Jesus fills all in all, and we are His fullness. It's incredible. When you just stop for a moment and let that sink into your heart and your mind, what have we become a part of? It's just genuinely awesome. It's an awesome thing that God has done in the church, and God, the church is God's plan. A, He will not give up on His church. If He's not given up after two thousand years of quite a checkered history, He's not going to give up. And so, it's a beautiful privilege to be a part to be a part of that. But the idea, the main idea here, is that the church is an organism mm. before it's an organization. That's the main idea. Now the two are not to be pitted against one another. You don't want to create enemies where there's no argument. But you need to be clear: what is the church? An organism. Okay, it's an organism that needs organisation. Organisation's good. Otherwise, it's just chaotic. Everything's flying off. There's no order. There's no we're not marching in time. No one knows what anyone's doing. The communications are not. I mean, organisation's good, but it is to facilitate the organism. That is the church, the body of Christ. And so, if things begin to tilt the other way, then what you tend to find is a a very uh, 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 the life of Christ floods out, and everything's very well done. Everyone knows where they're supposed to be and when. But you think, "Where's the life of God?" That's when you leans the wrong way. The church is an organism, not an organisation. But we value organisation okay? but the feel of the church should be organism when you're around the church it should feel family life that you are part of a body that's exactly what you should pick up if it doesn't feel like that then well there could be a number of reasons but that is exactly how it should feel we have no life without him His, we are. he is, this, he is the, the central nervous system the, 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 the commands are coming from Jesus Alright, I'll say that again. The commands are coming from Jesus to the church. It's not like the elders are the neck. The Bible never says that. The Bible never says that. As in a body where the brain, the impulses of the brain, I'm not going to say too much because I'll get in trouble with the neurologist here, but I know roughly speaking, the pulses of the brain speak to the body. They speak to the parts. Likewise, Jesus speaks to His church. Jesus leads His church. That's why there should always have there should be a grassroots feel about good church life. There should be a, see what does the Bible say in Acts two? Listen to this. It says, um, "If we could just see the scripture up there, please Sarah." this is a very amazing um, scripture it's, it's from the, the prophet Joel in the Old Testament but in the New Testament on the day of Pentecost Peter refers back to it and, and, and they're all filled with the Holy Spirit and the people that are looking on think they're drunk because, well, we don't know exactly why but um, I guess the impression is they're pretty lively you know, think about when you, you know, when you walk past a group of people and you think they're drunk, why? it's generally not they're not simply sitting there politely speaking another language you don't think, oh, drunkards. You don't think that, do you? You just think, no, they're foreign. Yeah? So, do you know what I mean? So there's something going on. It's lively. It's open to misunderstanding. It's important you see this. It's important you see this. Because um, sometimes in the, name of, in the name of kind of, I don't know, order, we can try and control. But it's, no, God is a God of order. But that's different from kind of a tightening, suffocating thing. Right? There's something going on that's full of life that is enough for people to go, are they drunk? They're not drunk, as you suppose. It's only the third hour of the day. That's 9am. They they would count from 6am as the start. So it's 9am. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And then he quotes Joel. In the last days it shall be, God declares, I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy your young men shall see visions your old men shall dream dreams even on my male servants and female servants in those days I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy as that uh, he goes on it goes on it goes on and then it ends with kind of end time stuff the sun turning to, to, to darkness and the moon to blood and all of that stuff and what's happening Peter is saying from this point on until the end we are living in an age where God is pouring out his spirit on all flesh so sons and daughters, it's male and female. Now, of course, we go well. Of course, but in those days, that was quite you know, a radical thing. A very, very patriarchal society. It's male and female, and then there's there's uh, there's um, servants as well somewhere. Yeah, male and female servants. It's, you know, it's not just a, it's not it's people of all all, all walks of life. Um, visions for the young, dreams for the old, prophesying. This is now. Okay. This is, there is not a strong argument anywhere in the Bible to suggest this is not now there isn't I've studied, I've read those who argue that that is the case the arguments are not strong highly speculative arguments from very intelligent people but not much Bible okay? there is nothing in the Bible strongly to suggest this is the case at all that these, these amazing things have ended in some way no, it goes through to the end Okay? So what, we live in this age now, which means now God pours out His spirit on all of us. There's not one or two special ones who, who, who receive the spirit and then everyone else is waiting. What, what, what do we do? It's no, no, no. It's the people of God. So there should be a, a sense of grassroots. It should feel like people are hearing God and, and wanting, to, wanting to run with stuff. That, that's, that's how a, church, a healthy church should feel like that why? because it's the new covenant it's the age of the spirit God is at work among us Um, and if it just always feels like HQ what do we do now? no, that is not a healthy feel. there should be things sparking and the spirit stirring people that's exciting church life and I say amen to that oh good, some of you do too brilliant, that's great (laughs) so we say, well why the organisation and if if that's what it's like let's just kind of just do whatever. You know, well... Actually, if you read the New Testament, you'll see that there was organisation around it. God created these local expressions, these local congregations, and, and and it seems that they were they were gathered together, and there were certain things in place. It was not a tightly hierarchical structure, or anything like that. We'll look at what it is in a minute. But it, but there was order there, and the idea was is that they could march in time, and that none of them would see themselves as individuals. No individual would see themselves as the body of Christ, but they're part of the body of Christ. Therefore, I need to be joined together. Together with others who are part of the body of Christ so we can move together and express his likeness see that's the idea that's the idea so organisation is good and important so how do we organise ourselves and what does that say about the gifts well the, 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 again there's not, there's not loads to it in this church there's elders and there's deacons why? because that's what we see in the New Testament ok what, are the, what, what, what is the role? how does it work? please if you think you know please listen because you might be surprised. Okay? It, elders, it basically means an overseer. Uh, other th- words like uh, shepherds are used. And it's like an under-shepherd role. So Jesus is the chief shepherd of the church. Jesus leads the church directly. Okay? But there are, there, are, there are people, there are men that Jesus appoints. It's always in the plural in the New Testament. You never just have one. One pastor, one elder. It's always in the plural. Whenever you see it come up in the New Testament, always in the plural. So it's supposed to be a team that are under shepherds which means their main priority is to have is to be able to when they shepherd people they're looking for what's Jesus doing? What's Jesus doing in this person's life? I want to get behind them. It, 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 are, there thing, are there things going on that are destructive, unhelpful that they're, just, that, that they're not seeing? Is there, a, is there some kind of wolves that have crept in that that just need somebody to say, hey, this, this isn't going to be good. That's what they're doing. They're not, that the role of elders is not to sort of live your Christian life for you, you know, or to come in and just breathe down your neck. No, no, it's to help as Jesus leads you, as one of his people. Yeah? That's, that's the idea. Uh, it should be liberating, it should be life-giving, it should, it should bring uh, safety, it should provide an environment where people grow and flourish into all that they are in God. There should be nothing about it that is bottlenecking, nothing about it that just kind of hold things down. The whole idea is that it should be, come on, we, let's, let's go, we want to follow Jesus. That's the, that's the feel. That's the environment. That's what it is about. And then there, there is a kind of a guarding element, guarding sound doctrine, sound teaching, uh, and, and, and making sure that there's no one in the church that's really being harmful and destructive and, and up to stuff that is um, uh, adversely affecting weaker brothers and sisters. We've got to keep an eye out for that. That's part of what we do. Actually, we should do that for one another. It's the body of Christ. But it's a special responsibility on elders just to keep an eye out. That's all it is. So it's important that you understand this is what um, we are there to do. What do the deacons do? They really help us to be elders. They they take stuff off us that would fall into our laps and that would keep us from being able to pastor people. They take stuff off and carry it heroically, sacrificially, joyfully. Oftentimes you you might say that it's a bit like elders lead with their mouths. Not in the sense that they don't live it out, but in the sense that primarily the way they help is and shepherd is through kind of teaching, counsel, that kind of thing. Deacons help with their hands. They, they take stuff off, you know, kind of administrative stuff, big responsibilities, and they and they really help to um, they really help to really th- release the elders to do that. Um, so it, that's how the thing works. It is a great blessing uh, as we do this. It's simple. Um, uh, and those two offices in the church, here's the point, what's it got to do with gifts? They're much more about character than gifts. The point being, the idea is not that those are the gifted ones. They're the really gifted ones. Well, we just kind of, you know, we, 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 yeah, we'll sing and we'll be around. No. No, 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 no. It is not about, they must be the most gifted. No. No. They, they, are to, they are to have a godly character, a good track record so they can be trustworthy. And the one qualification for an elder in terms of uh, gift is that he's able to teach, whether it's publicly or one-on-one, able to do that. It's really important for an elder to be able to do that. Um, but everything else about elders and deacons is character, godliness, track record. Are they able to say, imitate me as I imitate Christ? Are they able to, uh, is their life able to be scrutinised and say, hey, they're, they're really living for God there? So that's really important you understand that, otherwise you can fall into a mentality of, they're the ones who do it, or they're the ones who are pushing in this and pushing in that. No. Well, well maybe, but not, not exclusively. We are all gifted in very, very different ways, and the idea is that we are all maxing it out for Jesus. And we're not getting caught up on position. We tend to fall into that. We fall into pecking order. Well, who's who's? Well, hold, is, hold on, Who's there and who's there? It's a kind of worldly way of thinking. No, we're a family. We're a family, right? So it's like there's a you could describe what the elders. It's kind of like a, it's a paternal thing. There's a kind of a fatherly kind of oversight thing going on there. But it's like. But there's, there's massive dynamic interplay between everyone. There's brothers and there's sisters. There's, you know, there's cousins, there's aunties, there's uncles. It's all just it's kicking off in the family. It's so beautiful. There's life everywhere. It's not, it's not all... It doesn't all funnel through to this really sort of narrow thing. We'll never get where we're supposed to be getting, if that's how it works. We would, we'll clog it up with our lack of giftedness. As elders. It mustn't be like that. You are to flourish... You are to function in the body. Amen? I'm labouring it, but I think it's really, really important that that you hear that. The other thing, just to say, when you see the church in the Bible, there is outside help. There's no such thing in the Bible, it seems, as isolated local churches that are not connected beyond themselves. They are connected. They're connected primarily through apostles, either Paul or Peter, John. There's a connection, and what that connection does, it's not like a management role, it catches that church up into the wider mission. That's what it does. It stops them from just falling into a kind of very parochial local mindset. It catches up in the Great Commission, which is why we've we've had people like the Rileys join us and say, we want to go to Poland. It's like, great, we're connected with Mike Betts and the team known as Relational Mission, and they can put tracks onto Kevin and Emma's dream. You've, okay, so you've heard directly from God to so move to Poland and do a work for God there. Great, We can give tracks to that, we can, we can support you in that, we can bring people in that will help that to go really, really well. It's, like, it's tracks. Same with Matt, he was going to Latvia. Great, we, we, got, can, we can make it happen because we're not just this little isolated, independent group of people trying to find everything within ourselves. There's a connection to the body of Christ outside of us that God has given us. We value that we need that and it's really important particularly if you're in a gifted vibrant fun church like ours you can be tempted to feel you've got it all the problem is you never know what you haven't got because you haven't got it like you never know what you need to learn because you don't know it till you learn it and you can think we're there but over time you begin to suffocate and it's just too small it's too isolated no we will be connected as a church we need that it's vital you should see he seems like a maniac oh Simon we're up in Norwich as we get the conference off to Frankfurt now <laughs> Hey? oh yeah Simon and Natalie off to Frankfurt now. so Simon he's, he's, he's meeting with people left, right and centre that are either based out there in Germany or have got a gift that can help him it's a beautiful thing to see why? it's like blood coming in different veins it's, this thing's going to fly now it's not just Simon and Natalie out there all thinking oh well, what we've done we've moved out now what do we do we don't know anyone no there's, uh, there's supply lines there's support there's prayer it's beautiful so there's a wider thing going on and we really need to own that in our hearts and so not not fall into the the, the, the trap of self sufficiency let's be humble and let's receive from those around us then now gospel communities is a really important way that we that we run as a church it's not in the bible it's not anti-bible nowhere does it say don't do them it's just a way of working out community sundays is wonderful it's a celebration but it's hard to build good deep friendships I simply mean on a sunday so we just say, let's throw a bit of organisation in there. Let's let's gather together, and so we have these brilliant communities that gather around some kind of some kind of outreach. You know, whether it's international students or serving the homeless, or uh, reaching out to those who, who who are in prison or who are who have come out of prison, and various other things like that. It's what we it's what we do, and it's it's a beautiful thing and a very meaningful way of being part of the church so you don't fall into the trap of just attending somewhere, but you're part of something. You get to know people, feel connected and enjoy and enjoy the family. Not only that, there's also we, we, we the church is to be a merciful, a merciful people, a people full of mercy and compassion, which is why as a church as a whole, we own food bank, where we're feeding local people that don't have enough food, sharing the love of Jesus with them that way and where we run CAP, the, 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 the Debt Recovery Centre. Let me just show you, let me just read this scripture, which is a really powerful scripture from Matthew 25. Jesus says this, When the Son of Man comes in glory, in his glory, so talk about the end, the end of all things, all the angels with him, he'll sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he'll separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates sheep from goats. And he'll place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. And then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison. And you came to me. The righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer him, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. I could go on. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me you cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Strong words. I was hungry, you gave me no food. I was thirsty, you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, you didn't welcome me. Naked and you didn't clothe me. Sick and in prison, you didn't visit me. They'll answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry, thirsty? Or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and didn't minister to you? You will answer them saying, truly I'll say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Wow. It's pretty clear, isn't it? Jesus says, those who are marked by compassion and mercy, and I will say this, first and foremost, to the people of God, the people of God who are in prison, the people of God who are naked, first and foremost, we've got to make sure our house is in order. If our house isn't in order and we're out there, helping, something's wrong. So we've got to make sure our house is in order, those among us, which is why we have the special fund... Acts 2.45 fund for those in the church who are genuinely in that really tight spot and need help. Okay, so we prioritise that. The Bible says, do good to all, especially the household of God. But also that beyond that, that beyond that, that there's just this outflow of compassion through the church. The church should be marked by it, because it marked Jesus. It's as simple as that. He was known for his compassion. Most of his miracles seem to come out of compassion. I don't think he was as clinical as let's do a sign, you know, it was a sign. But he was moved. We hear him groaning and sighing deeply. He's moved by people's pain. God, let us carry your heart. We want God's heart, don't we? And so that's another that that, that that's how we roll that's how we roll the church. That's the structure. That's it. Okay? Um, very organic, very full of life, but we want to march in time, make sure we know what one another's doing. And and so gifts, just flow in your gifts. Just flow in your gifts. Do you, are you hearing me that you have permission to flow in your gifts? Adam is hearing me. Great, Adam. Anyone else? (laughs) Wow. Okay. Not the most inspiring uh, yell, but don't worry. God is with us. He will help us and it is very hot after all. Okay. (laughs) Secondly, just to say quickly, how do the gifts work? outside of church because I think we kinda, we're kind of getting and learning how we can use the gifts to build one another up well um, let's do a couple of scriptures here really helpful um, John 4, Jesus is just meets a woman at the well she doesn't seem to be a disciple of any kind um, he said to her he's having a conversation with her he says go and call your husband and come here the woman answered I have no husband Jesus said to her you're right in saying I have no husband you've had five and the one you have now is not your husband what you said is true the woman said to him, sir, I perceive you're a prophet. <laughs> so Jesus, he's just going through life, meets a woman, and there's this insight, there's this spiritual gift in operation. It's not that he knew her, it's a spiritual gift. And it, it operates, he knew, he knew something supernaturally outside of just natural knowledge. Uh, it's a prophetic thing. And what it does is it shifts the whole conversation away from superficiality into something much more deeper. Now, um, I remember, I think Sally does about ten of those a day, but I remember about ten years ago well, I did one. And uh, I, I, forgive me if you've heard the story before, but it was a very interesting uh, thing. I've just been reading a book on World War II uh, um, in, in the morning about the Desert Rats, who were a British regiment in the, in, in, in the desert, World War II. And then I was at a bus stop uh, a couple of hours later, just sitting there. There was a senior man at the bus stop there also. And as I looked at him, I just, I just knew he had been in the Desert Rats. He didn't have a badge on, okay? He didn't have an army uniform on. There was nothing naturally, I just knew. So I said, mate, this sounds like a funny old question, but were you in the desert rats? Right? Well, you should have seen his face. A- a- absolute shock. So we got on the same bus and we had this amazing conversation because he asked, well, how do you know? I said, well, I'm a Christian. I, feel, I think God told me. And um, it, what, he This man did not know me, but because of that, he just shared with me from decades, but just stuff. You know the big stuff in life that happens, that shapes your whole way of thinking? He just opened up. And I, and I was able to just listen and just point him towards Jesus. Right? I didn't start going all weird. I didn't start talking in a funny voice. Yeah, I didn't. Like, yeah, just loved the man. But there was just that little bit of knowledge that what it did was it just, it just, it just, he was impacted by it, and rightly so. Because it just revealed to him, not. I would labour the point, mate. It's not about. It's God's way of showing you that He knows you and loves you. And so, as a result of that, you see, he was. He was just. He wanted to hear and able to just share about the love of Jesus with him. I mean, you haven't got a. You know, it's very natural, but it's supernatural. And so, that, so, so we are to use these kinds of gifts, but also the gifts that you think are less kind of. Ooh, you know, if you've got a real gift of serving, serve. Serve, lay down your life for people. If you've got a real gift of hospitality, open up your home beyond just the church. Because I tell you, when there's a real spiritual gift of hospitality in operation, it's different. We're all to if the, well, if there's such a gift, you know, we looked at it the other week, didn't we? If you're really good at it, if the, some people, okay, some people, you go around the house and you're like, as soon as you walk in, you're like, oh, you just, you just, peace comes. You know those? You know that? yeah, yeah, yeah okay. I, I, you just walk in and you're like. Everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be fine. It's just a the grace there. There's a grace, an ease. Man alive, that's a beautiful thing to serve the world with, to serve your neighbors with. So function, function according to the grace that's on you. This second situation is someone who comes into a Christian meeting. Paul says if everyone prophesies and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he's convicted by all, he's arrested. Something in him, he's by what's going on, and he's called to account. By all, the secrets of his heart are revealed. It's things that no one would know are being spoken about. It's revealed. So fall on his face, who worship God and declare God's really among you. Something will happen and realize this isn't just a group of nutters singing songs. Well, it might be, but God's here as well. God, you know, God is here. This is real. This is real. And I think we've just got to we've got to recognise that people won't be won to Jesus by a good show and rightly so rightly so people are one to Jesus because they meet God and they just recognise this is it this is real it's authentic and part of that not all of that but part of that is that the gifts are flowing that they're really flowing which means which means us growing in confidence and stepping out and using those gifts for the good of a broken world it's really important we get this but God's plan A <laughs> right so it's really important we feel this and feel the responsibility of this. This is massive for the fleet weekend ne- next weekend. You know, God might just reveal something to you but for someone. You can just—you haven't got to steam in with a prophetic voice. You can just ask them, I, I'm just wondering, is this true? If it's true, if it's from the Lord, no matter how gently it's said, it will have an impact by the fact it's from the Lord. You haven't got to make it impactful. It's just from the Lord. So we've got to just... And very often just through loving people and listening, you know, God just opens things up. So it's so important that we um, that we do that. Um, God is on a mission, you know that? God loves, God loves this area. God loves this area. God loves the people in this area. God loves your neighbours. God does. He loves, He loves the people down there on the market. God, God loves the people in the blocks of flats. He loves them, right? He loves them. He doesn't, He loves them in the same way He loves you and me. One of the things that struck me when I first became a Christian was I would walking around and I'd be like, oh, God loves you. <laughs> I'd woken up to God's love myself. And I'd look at me and think, oh, He loves you too. You know, you just, you know, you just want to, God help me to communicate it. Because he, he loves and he's called, he's called us to just join Him in that, in expressing that love. But what a privilege it is for us. So really just to say on that front, um, That you're free to operate in your gifts in the church and in the world. Permission is granted, not from me, from him. I'm just letting you know. This isn't permission. I do not have that authority. He's given it, and I'm just saying, hey, he's given just in case you didn't realize. Okay? Alright, you've got permission. So go for it. Go for it, go for it, go for it. God is the one who's saying, Fan into flame. God is the one who's saying, Don't be timid. Yeah, God is saying go for it. So go for it. Okay, let's learn together. It's exciting, it's really exciting. Okay, I want to just finish now, we'll just look at a passage, and it's going to make a few comments, read through it, make a few comments. It's only about uh, three hours long. No, uh, I'm not going to make comments on every word, don't worry. But it's a really important passage. It's about, well, you'll see what it's about, right? Paul's, Paul's writing to the Corinthians again, right? He's saying if the ministry of death... Now here, it doesn't sound very nice, is it? But the ministry of death, what he's referring to is the whole, the old covenant. The covenant of, of, of the law with the giving of the tablets and the Ten Commandments, the whole thing, Moses. Now he calls it the ministry of death, not because it was bad, but because actually it led simply to... The, the, the greatest purpose of it was to lead you to a realisation of the fact, oh, I'm in, I'm in trouble here. You read the Ten Commandments... You look at yourself, you think, "Oh, I thought I was all right, but now I've seen what God requires, and I realise I'm not." But you know what? These tablets of stone do not provide me with the power to change. That's why it's called the ministry of death. It leads you to that place you think, "Ah, now what?" Right? So he says, "If the ministry of death, carved in letters on stone, ten commandments, came with such glory, it came with such glory. This, 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 this setup." that led to the death came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory. So he's coming down from the mountain and literally they are freaked out. They're like, he's glowing. And he didn't even realise. He'd just been with God. He'd just been with God. Right? He wasn't thinking about himself. Oh, I'm glowing. No, he'd been with God. Didn't even know. Comes down and they're like, oh, right? so this, this is glory. He then says, will not the ministry of the Spirit... Which is talking about the setup God has given us in Jesus, will not the Ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? It's a question. A rhetorical question. The answer is Yes. Big deal. Okay? Big deal. Because this Ministry of Death, it came with a Red Sea parting. It came with glory clouds filling the tent. It came with a pillar of fire by night representing God's presence and a a cloudy pillar by day. It came with amazing miracles of provision of manna and quails. Their, 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 Their clothes didn't wear out over 40 years. It was pretty glorious. Right? Ministry of death. Pretty glorious. And Paul's saying, well if that came with glory, won't the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? If there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed it in glory. So the Old Covenant, see the Ten Commandments, Oh, no, all it leads to is condemnation. I'm in trouble and there's no power for me to change with this. This is the ministry of righteousness. Jesus comes, demonstrates utter perfection, beautiful righteousness, gives himself up on a cross, rises from the dead and then offers righteousness freely to all who will come to him. What a different deal. Indeed in this case, what once had glory... It's come to have no glory at all because of the glory that surpasses it all those things I mentioned actually you look at them now compared to what we're in it's like it's got no glory at all what if for if what was being brought to an end came with glory much more will what is permanent have glory since we have such a hope we are very bold not like Moses who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of of what was being brought to an end so they're saying ah look at him so what he would do he would cover his face Moses would walk around with a veil because he was glowing all the time and then when he was with God he would take it off then he would cover it right and now Paul begins to bring in this idea of a veil, and he takes it a few steps further. He says, Their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, if you read the Old Testament without an understanding of Jesus, that same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ is it taken away. Jesus removes the veil. That is big. Only. Through Christ, there is something very exclusive about the role of Jesus. Only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. So now he's taken the image further. It's like this blindness. But when one turns to the Lord, to Jesus, the veil is removed. Now, the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Freedom. There is freedom from condemnation. There is freedom from death. There is freedom from everything that was represented by the old. Now, in the ministry of the Spirit, there is a liberty. There is a space. There's this narrowness, Jesus, but it opens up into this amazing liberty by the Spirit. And it's really important because people love the idea of the space. And very often, they just try and go for the space without acknowledging Jesus and find it's not working. I'm just trapped, I'm just enslaved. No, it's Jesus, and then through Jesus you receive the Spirit and you come into glory and life. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, that word there, it can mean beholding, looking at, or reflecting, the word is mirroring, so it's both. Okay, That's why some Bible says that, some says that, the word can work in both directions. So, we all, with unveiled face, mirror the glory of the Lord. Look upon it and it comes out. We're being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. So it's way more glorious than the old. The veil has gone. We haven't got to hide it. We're supposed to let it all out. And you know what? It goes from one degree to another. That is huge. That is massive. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Now, I want you to just, as best as you can, take that, as a framework for expectation levels and then think about your own expectation levels of glory of wonder of kingdom and ask yourself do you need to crank it up a bit? Got, I'm just being biblical, right? I'm being a Bible teacher here I'm not being the crazy one I'm being a Bible teacher here I'm saying take your levels of expectation and hold up against the plumb line of scripture and where you're at. This, this is huge. This is huge. I do believe God wants to move among us, in us, and through us in extraordinary ways. I do believe that the life of the kingdom in the new covenant is to be extraordinary. I really do. You know, Jesus said about John the Baptist, he said he was the most amazing man to have ever lived. Right? Think about Moses, Noah. No, he says, John the Baptist the most amazing. And he says, but the least, the least in the kingdom is greater than him. I've never been able to really understand that verse because I've thought the implications are too out there. I'm like, are you serious? So we've got all the Old Testament heroes, John the Baptist is greater than, clearly that's what he means but the least in the kingdom is greater. Now, what do you do with that? Well, here's what I do with that. I come to the Lord and I say, Lord I'm not going to try and figure that out. And I'm not going to start getting worked up into plans and systems, but I'm going to believe, I'm going to be- I want to believe for more of your immediate presence, I want to believe for more of your glory in my life, my household, the church that I'm a part of. I want to believe I believe you I just say Lord I believe you you know you come and you say Lord I believe help my unbelief remember that man whose son was in trouble and he's like Jesus is upbraiding him for his lack of faith he says I do believe help my unbelief it's like yeah that's me Lord I do but help me God I want to believe better and I, I just would I want. what I want to do I want us to just be able to in this moment just gather to Jesus together right to mirror him to look on him and to let the glory of this new covenant Shine in this place I don't even know what that means I don't even know what, what that will look like but I know it's biblical and I think we've got to go for it guys we've got to go for it because things aren't going well out there things aren't going well out there and if we're, if we're genuinely if we're genuinely going to make a difference we need to, we need to know the glory of God We need to know the glory of God. We need to know where we fit in the body. We need to be flowing in a glorious way together.